0: Accountants, it's time to make it count. My name is Freddie Bennett, former accounting industry executive turned entrepreneur, business owner, changemaker and Guinness World Record holder. In each episode, we bring you the powerhouses from across the accounting world to help you discover how to unlock endless possibilities, turbocharge your accounting practice and make it count in business and in life. Thank you for showing up for yourself today. Now, let's dive into another unmissable episode of Make It Count. Welcome to another episode of Make It Count. We are the fastest growing podcast in the accounting and advisory world. We are here to disrupt the norms and give convention a bloody nose. Today, folks, I've got a real treat for you. I am delighted to welcome Will McTavish, co-founder at Link. Will, welcome to Make It Count.
1: Thanks, Freddie. I appreciate you having me on, man. This is uh, really cool.
0: Yeah, this is going to be a good one. I I get a feeling sometimes when uh, when a show is going to be just off the charts, and I know this is going to be one of them. I know we're going to have a great conversation. So, Will, to get us started, for anyone that hasn't heard about yourself or heard of Link, tell us a bit about yourself yeah cool man so uh
1: yeah i think first things first um, i trained as an accountant so that is that is my background but um for the past 13 years i've been running um, a business started off in consulting and then uh, about 2018 we moved into software development That's where we built our first product link reporting so link reporting uh does reporting for zero practice managers we're very much focused on the uh, accountants that use zero and zero practice manager and more recently we've been building our next product which is link capacity which we're really excited to be releasing very very soon so I'm sure we'll get into more details of those two products as the conversation unfolds. But um, yeah, basically, link reporting, link capacity. We've also written a book uh, called Everything You Need to Know About Zero Practice Manager. We've sold, I think we're up at just over 800, coming up to 800 copies now. Um, Last night, someone ordered eight, which was pretty crazy. But we've sold, you know, I think there's been about 15, 16 books in the last uh, three or four days. So it's still selling despite no ads running. So uh, people must be talking about it. Uh, we've also got the benchmark report that we do for the New Zealand and the Australian accounting industries. So that's using the data that we get out of link reporting and uh, what my business partner Ruben and I do is we we take all the um, that data and we look at um, analysing it for uh, averages, standard uh, deviations. We come up with this benchmark report giving some people some really good metrics to um, sort of uh, compare themselves to those industry averages. So uh yeah it's um we're in our second year now doing the benchmark report so yeah basically software book and uh, also this benchmark report be the sort of things that i get up to
0: love it you are clearly a busy man and uh, i know you say you've got your your co-founder ruben as well who is also a a supremely talented guy um we've got a, a lot of time for but let's go back to the beginning Will. and you said you you trained as an accountant was was that always the path for you did you did you always dream of, of being an accountant of going into this industry as uh, as you were a child no man i knew i knew you were gonna ask this question <laughs> as well so I, I gave it a bit of thought and um where it all sort of started
1: from, I think, was um, I used to race downhill. Uh, that was sort of my my career path up mm. until about uh, 16, 17, um, when I got beaten at the Nationals and so badly beaten that I realized that wasn't a career path for me. There was one guy that just blitzed everyone. I was like, okay, it's someone way better than me. Uh, let's look at something else. But one of the guys I rode with, um, his parents uh, were into property, so they had um, a lot of properties around Wellington, and they uh, started teaching me about... Um, you know, money and property and, and building assets. And they gave me a book that really changed my life. And it was from Robert Kiyosaki. It was called, uh, retire young, retire rich. I know you're nice. th- you're, you thought I was
0: going to say, rich yeah, dad, that's dad. what I thought. Me... But, um, but no, I haven't heard of that one. I like it. A yeah, different retire approach. young,
1: retire rich. And I was uh, probably 17 at the time. I was like, man, this, this, this looks like something I'll be interested in. So picked up that book, gave it a read. It talked me through, you know, if you've sort of heard his content, it's about the cash flow quadrant, you know, build a business, Build assets mm. as investments, you know, and that really changed the way I looked at everything. Both my parents were nurses, so successful in their own right. My mum's a midwife, and my dad's a specialist in diabetes. So, mm. um, yeah, they're successful in their right, but they very much encouraged us um, to go through the medical um, route. So I did all the sciences at schools, I was never really that engaged. And then in seventh form, after reading this book and sort of being exposed to this whole new world, I did my seventh form speech on why school doesn't teach you anything useful. Why doesn't it teach you about taxes or mm-hmm. money or anything? After my speech, um, which I actually got a, a, a top mark for, um, <laughs> someone said to me, he's like, bro, have you ever heard of accounting? I was like, no, nah, what's that? <laughs> so this is when I was like 17. So I had no mm. idea what accounting was. I still was about 17 because my whole life was about like professional sports, racing downhill, and then plus the sciences. And then I got introduced to this idea of accounting. And then that was towards the end of my schooling year. And then when I was looking at um, leaving school, uh, I looked at uh, my grades that weren't that flash. and I was like, right, I'm going to probably be a builder. And then uh, I managed to just get in. I just got enough credits. I was one of the early NCEA people, but um, mm. yeah, I managed to get enough credits to go to university. And then uh, my mum and I looked at the results, we go, well, why don't we give accounting a go? And then, um, yeah, started doing accounting at university and then really just fell in love with it. I was like, man, I get to talk about money all day. And I've always had a fascination with wealth. I never, we never came from wealth, but I had some, you know, a little bit of exposure through um, some, you know, my, my family, you know, my extended family had a bit mm. of wealth. And I always like, man, why has he got like brand new cool cars and, and a boat? And we don't have all that shit. Yeah. And it was always like as a young Kid, I was like, well, one day I'd like to do these things for my kids. Mm.
0: Um,
1: So that's sort of, I think, that is like a seed that was planted when I was really young. Uh, I always grew up knowing that I wanted to get into the world of money, and then yeah, got introduced to accounting from someone after um, my speech. Can't remember who it was, but um, yeah, and that sort of put the put me
0: down the path of doing accounting, and then yeah, the rest is history, I suppose. That's amazing. Uh, There's a couple of things I love about that. Well, firstly, I've got to ask if your if your parents were trying to push you towards this this medical field, where you're kind of like, yeah. I know I'm doing it, but I also know deep down it's not really me. How, how did they react when you said, no, we're going to go with the oh, accounting man. route? My parents,
1: I've I, I got the best parents, man. They're so supportive. And they were never like pushing me in that direction. They were guiding me. And mm. they knew that I was interested in money and this sort of thing. And my dad said to me, he goes, hey, pharmacists make a lot of money. <laughs> um, and then I was like, oh, cool. I'll do pharmacy then. You know, Or my had an, had an uncle that was a dentist, I'll do, I'll do dentistry. Because it was all mm. about how do, I, how do I make money? But it was all about in the in the realm of uh, medicine. And that's I suppose where when I got introduced to the idea of accounting, that really um sort
0: of, of struck me as the way I want to go. So my parents were extremely supportive. I love that. And I think the the really powerful message in in what you're saying as well, it's that that thinking to yourself, this is the direction I want to go in, this is what I want to go for. I'm I'm not scared of money, I don't have these hang ups about money that we we tend to to pick up as, as children. I no, I certainly did. But then saying, well, how can I actually make this happen? How could I take some steps forward to, to get closer to what I want? And I've, again, I've seen this in my own friends, family, and my own upbringing as well. We, we don't do wealth in our family, that's for other people, or we're never gonna be rich, or we're never gonna achieve these things. And that can become like an internal narrative. But the fact that you said, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna explore this and I'm gonna see what I could do to actually make it a reality is, is such a powerful message. Yeah,
1: so I think a big thing about me is um, two two big things. One is I'm an extreme risk taker, I always have been. I don't mm. assess risk very well. I think that comes down to the fact that I always assume the best outcome in things. Uh, which we're going to find out soon that, uh, that is far, <laughs> far, far from the truth. But, um, um that's why I'm a big risk taking is I always expect things to go well, probably came, I don't know what this, that's come from. Um, but maybe my, my, mountain biking years where I just love jumping off stuff, mm. you, you got, you, you don't jump off a roof, assuming it's going to fail. You jump off a roof on a bike because you think you're going to land it. Right? it. Um, so I think that mentality has followed me through in a business, um, so that was that was um, one side of things. Mm. Um, and the other one is that um, I've always um, wanted to be the best at something. Um, so I think like being able to not scared of risks and always want to be really great at something, those two things have sort of led me to um, getting into you know where I am.
0: Mm. I love that. And uh, yeah, we're definitely going to cover the uh, the risk taker aspect as well. And, and it's so different maybe to how sometimes accountants see themselves, but also how the outside world sees accountancy as something that's very safe, very conservative, very middle of the road, very gray suits. And I think this just highlights how the real world, the real accounting world, isn't the the stereotype. And also it is by all of us being willing to to step outside our comfort zones and take risks. That is where we find the the biggest rewards.
1: And I recommend anyone that um doesn't know what they want to do with their lives. Accounting is a great option. You don't have to be an accountant. You don't have to be a public practicing accountant, which I think is a great, great uh, job or career because the, so many reasons. We'll probably talk about it at the end, but like, you know, remote work pays good. It's it's, it's mm. flexible, all these things. But you don't have to be an accountant. So if you don't know what you want to do, accounting degrees can be applied to any other industry. It's so valuable to understand what is really the language of business.
0: Definitely. I love that. Yeah, the language of business is uh, is the key one. If you can learn to speak that, then, then it opens so many doors. So it totally does. I have to, to ask you as well, Will. So we went down the route, qualified as an accountant. Then what made you lead into the the more of the the consulting side of things?
1: So it's a number, so many different things that sort of all play at once. So to draw on the main things, one would be, um, I spent a bit of time in the US and that's where I saw like ultra wealth, like Mm. ultra, ultra wealth, you know, inherited generational wealth. And, um, and then people were asking me when I was over there, I was like, oh, what business are you gonna start one day? I was like, man, no one asked that question in New Zealand. <laughs> you know, and it was quite a normal thing. Like everyone got into business when you're around that level of wealth. Mm. And I think being exposed to that in my like, in my twenties was quite, oh, I'm sorry, when I was like 19, 20 was really mm. interesting. And also um, I was, when I was working as an accountant, I was only an accountant for like probably six months. And it's actually funny, I don't know why I'm bringing this up, but I, I went home one day and I um I, I saw, it was like outdoors with Jeff. I saw him on TV and yeah. I was like, man, that, that's that guy's life. Mm. He goes fishing and does all these crazy things and followed by a film crew. And I was like, I thought my life was going to have something outrageous in it. And that's when I was like, that was, the, that was the kicker for me, Like, nah, quit my job, start the business. And I was only, mm. and I was 20, I was just turned 22 when I set the business up. So man, I was green, I was young. And I just read or watched The Secret, you know. Have you, you everyone's heard of The Secret? I have,
0: yeah. I love I the, just, um, the, like that, that very like 90s feel of it as well. Like uh, that's, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in that.
1: Oh, bro. I, I, I watched that and I was like, all I need to do is think positive <laughs> and attract well. So I just quit my job. Uh, first day, hadn't even written a business plan. First day of not having a job after leaving my accounting practice, mm. sat down at the library, wrote a business plan and
0: then just, just started. And, um, yeah, it just it didn't go away <laughs> at all. <laughs> I was going to ask um, just, oh, just on that. When 21 is young to be saying, I'm going to take this risk and start this this business. Yeah, We talk about imposter syndrome uh, a lot on this podcast and in the industry as well. Did you feel any imposter syndrome or were you just like, nah, man, this is how it's going to be. I'm going to go and get it done.
1: I was overconfident at 21. Mm. Uh, I was like, Man, I've read the books. Uh, I've learned the secret. I'm an accountant. I can mm-hmm. sell. I'm this. I'm the man, you know. And I'm going to go out and make some money. And I'm going to show everyone I'm an entrepreneur. That was the attitude, man. I'm an yeah. entrepreneur, and I'm going to show everyone how successful I can be. Mm. And there was no really imposter syndrome there. There was a situation. Um, I actually, started out um, implementing Unleashed. So, un, so I'll tell you, I'll tell you what the consulting company was. Mm. So it was really, really early days of zero. So it was 2010. Zero was just emerging. My accounting practice was um, quite into. Um, zero, we're quite a zero practice back then. Mm-hmm. And then um, we, we came across Unleashed Software, which did inventory management. And then um, I met with um, Greg and Gareth from Unleashed, and then I became their first partner to implement Unleashed. I said, Oh, I should talk to this guy, um, Vaughn. He's from Vend. He's starting a point of sale company. I like, Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. So I met with this guy, Vaughn. We caught up for a beer. He um, we was starting Vend. And then, like, Oh, there's this guy, um Gavin, you should meet. He's starting this company called Workflow Max. Well, they've been going a while, but you should meet Gavin. So I met this guy called Gavin. Um, and then I started like, um, bumping shoulders with all these, uh, these new, like up and coming, um, uh, tech entrepreneurs, mm. I suppose you can call them. Right. And then they're only like thirties, mid thirties. And I was like 21 at the time, about to go 22. Mm. And, um, and then basically I set this business model. I, I thought it was quite clever. Um, back then. <laughs> But basically, um, I will go network all the accounting practices, and if they have clients that need to implement cloud apps, they can come to me, and I will implement the apps for them. Mm. So, great business model. A people do it today. You're now, you're now known as a cloud integrator. So, I think I was the first cloud
0: integrator in the zero world. Sounds good. We'll say that's official. That that happened definitely. That happened. It was <laughs> man. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> definitely the first. I think I think I did the first VM implementation ever. Mm. So then, um, yeah, it was, it was going quite well, but um, immediately uh, that. that go big or go home mindset came in and rather than me doing the work and getting good at it, I was like, right, Bobby, one of my mates, quit your job, come in and work for me, ish, quit your job, come to work for me. And mm. the next thing I know, I've like I've got all my mates to quit their jobs. Uh, I've rented this office and I'm just like, just taking up all this debt. And I was just like, no nah, man, this is like Silicon Valley startups, man. We're, we're going big. So I need a big team. I need a big office. So mm. I, mean, I blew like 70 something thousand dollars in like less than six months just on like... <laughs> Nothing. And I wasn't paying my mate, like, I wasn't paying them. I was like, hey, we're all just in this together, yeah. A bit of cash, like, you know, all this sort of thing. Oh I mean, six months later all fell apart. It was just a disaster, you
0: know? Was that a fun six months before it all fell
1: apart? Oh yeah. Startup <laughs> startup zone, man. Exactly. It was, cool. it was like, you know, it was like it was it was like um what you see in the movies. But mm. uh until the money runs out. And then that's when I realized, okay, actually yes, you need to run a real business, um, which was sort of version two of that's where so my original business was called Pond. Um and then we rebranded as um Link Solutions. Mm. I think I had another failure in between that. I think it was like a version three was Link Solutions. Um and that's where we started, like my my dad got a little bit involved. Not that my dad's a you know a master of business or anything, but he was he wasn't an idiot, <laughs> which I was. So, <laughs> so he sort of uh, got me got a bit of structure in place, and you know I started hiring people properly, mm. and that's where um, things started to go reasonably well. We got a big, got a good recognised brand out there in the market. A lot of accountants, New Link Solutions was the place you had implemented. Yeah, uh, and then we got this huge. Um, contract offered to us by um, Unleashed and GeoOp partnered uh, to help put a solution together for uh, all the plumbers in the country. Wow. And they basically said, hey, look, you guys are the go-to for um, implementing cloud apps. Do you want to take on this? We've got thousands of plumbers that want to move to this. Our only concern is your team isn't big enough. Mm. Um, I said, no, 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 not a problem. (laughs) So then I'm hiring, right? So I hire hire, um, this guy and I've got, you know, four staff or something, but huge contract coming through, right? Mm.
0: Were there ever any doubts? Were you ever thinking like, this is too big, this is a step too far or anything? Or were you just like, gas pedal, we're going to make it happen?
1: Never. Always <laughs> just gas pedal, man. Nice. Always. You know, just like, just always a positive outlook. Ne- never, never considering risks. Hmm. Um, and this is a common theme you're going to see. <laughs> um, so this is, we're talking like 2012 now. This is still this 11 years ago. Basically, yeah, what they did is they, um, it turns out that these thousands of leads they have were, prospects or before prospects and the people that were interested weren't actually that interested. So now I had this like big heavy team that I didn't have enough work for. And, mm. um, we basically, yeah, we, we, we ran out of money again, you know, and this was sort of, um, iteration three because we're in so much trouble. I moved to Auckland. So I was in Wellington and moved to Auckland and that's where things started to, this is this the first sort of success, I suppose I either had is when I met my business partner now, Ruben Sweeney. Mm. Um, yeah, he just turns up on a, we met me at a bar. He was, it was pretty persistent, wanted to meet with me. And I was just like, oh man, the level of depression you go through when everything's falling around you is pretty intense, man. So You talk about the future, mm. you're in you're in a dark place. So eventually he got me out for a beer and I just told him what I was up to. And he's like, I'll quit my job tomorrow. I'll quit my job tomorrow and come work for you. And I'm like, man, like I'm broke. Wow. <laughs> this is imposter syndrome, actually. Mm. This is the imposter syndrome. You know, I'm trying to show the market that I know what I'm doing and I've got this company and come to me for your apps. But behind closed doors, man, I'm just like, oh, Man, like a like a duck peddling boat. Mm.
0: <laughs> and I was going to ask it to to dig a bit deeper into that. And you you mentioned that that depressive feeling that that comes over you, and like you said, and I've and a lot of what you're saying, I can definitely relate to that whole kind of like risk taker who backs himself and just says, yeah, go big or go home, all or nothing. We're gonna smash this, and it's all very well talking about that, and then when you hit a failure, and then pick yourself up, then hit another failure, and I and I know because I've been there. It can start to feel dark and depressive. And were there any moments for you when you were like, "This business, this entrepreneur thing, just isn't for me." Maybe I just need to go and get a get a job back in the county again. Or were you always set on on finding a way? Good
1: question, man. Yeah,
0: it was actually it got darker
1: than that. Uh, I didn't do anything silly, but um, it definitely crossed the mind mm. um, because there wasn't an option of going to get a job. Um, at worst, my my debt repayments. This is, yeah, my debt repayment's got to 3400 a month. Mm. I missed a debt repayment. Um, we've, we've missed a piece of the story here, but basically one of the business that failed, I couldn't pay my PAYE. Basically, um, I had the IRD chasing me, and then I got, I got audited by KPMG. got really, really bad. Mm. And then um, they basically said, look, you pay us, 35 grand or we press criminal charges for employee theft. That's how bad it got. Mm. Yeah. And this wasn't my worst patch. I bet it was worse in the past, but this is this is a pretty bad It's one. enough
0: to keep you awake at night, isn't
1: that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, so yeah, but that that's when it's like, I would have loved to have gone and got a job, but a job wouldn't have paid me enough money to make my debt repayments, then I wind up in court. So the only option was to continue. Mm. So that that's that's the scariest, man, is when there's no out. The only thing to do is keep going. And that, that was probably what kept me in it those early years. Cause so I knew out of consulting I could make that thirty four hundred a month. Nothing, nothing else for me or anyone else. But um, you know, full credit to Ruben. Uh, Ruben and I paid that debt off together. Um, you know, he helped me out the whole way to pay that debt off. And that's why he's a partner now, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, he didn't need to, but you saw the vision, saw the future, and um, yeah, we paid it off. And like once that was all paid off, it was uh, 2015. I've paid every single debt back. I want to make that really clear. Mm. Never owed anyone any money. and paid them back. Every single cent got paid back with interest. KPMG took a huge fee on their liquidation. <laughs> huge fee.
0: <laughs> so, well, yeah, they need to pay um, for all that marble in the offices and everything, don't they? at KPMG, those, yeah. those coffee machines don't come cheap. Oh man, I've, I've seen, I've seen a five thousand dollar hourly rate. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm sure it was less than that but no I, I think they stung, it was like 11 grand for their liquidation fee it was way more than I owed in tax like they, they got a good chunk of that and um, mm. anyway look you, you, you live and learn um, but yeah that was that was only five years and we, we paid all our debt back by 2015 and that's where things really did start improving when Rubes and I just sort of decided like we're going to do some cool stuff here
0: and what, what was the turning point if that moment was was when you said right we're going to we're going to make this happen and then the the failures started to get smaller and uh, and mm. more more fewer and far between and things effectively started to go well for you what do you reckon was the shift what what was that turning point that changed the, the direction of of your business and your life yeah that's a
1: good question again Freddie um I don't think there has been a turning point it's been so gradual um I remember um you know it was, it was only like sort of three years ago I was I was, well, I was hanging out with uh, Greg uh the founder of Unleashed and I said to him um over the past 10 years, there's 10 years in business over the past 10 years, I've only had around about six or seven good weeks. Mm. The rest has been pretty horrific. Just <laughs> trying to survive. That's a whole decade. I mean, the last few years have been really cool, which I'm sure we'll get into towards the end, but um, mm. it was a decade of not really having like a, like a good week. Uh, and it's just trying to survive. So there wasn't really a turning point. Things just got less worse and less worse and less worse. Mm. But then we did have like, you have like breakthrough ideas. And I think um, one of the, the big things that keep me motivated is one is I run. So do you, we're both marathon. Yeah. I'm Definitely. not I'm not pushing out like uh three uh three three-hour marathons <laughs> like you yet <laughs> you'll be there though
0: I'm sure you'll be there
1: but you know the running and also um you know like the book um Think and grow rich by napoleon hill mm. um, um a lot of business owners have read it but there's just such good nuggets in there you know um the fact that um, opportunity often comes disguised in the form of misfortune or temporary defeat I so love that. true you know and, and every uh, misfortune or or um heartbreak uh, has the equal seed of opportunity you know mm. that's not verbatim quote but you, yeah but those things man like every time you have a full like when you feel like everything is broken and there's no way out, you have to basically take stock of where you're at in your life and you basically go, well, based on what I have and where I'm at, how can I reassemble my life? And that's happened so many times now. Where I've had to reassemble everything. And I think when you do that full, I've failed, I need to reassemble, mm. you always reassemble so much stronger. And I think that's what's happened so many times now. And it's just been a slow progression to get to where we are today. But um, yeah, as you can see, man, it has not been easy, but I, I wouldn't change it for the world.
0: Well, no, and that's, there's so many, you know, you talk about gems and gold nuggets. I think you've just dropped a whole bucket full there, Will. So let's unpack that. And I think you're totally right Yeah, Firstly, it is about the time scale. You've mentioned it's been over a decade a uh, longer. And one of my, my personal views is that we, If we're looking at something as a failure, it's because we're looking at it over a short timescale of a day or a week or a month or even a year. But if you start to stretch out that timescale, that's when we actually can can turn that negative into a positive. That's where we can pull uh, victory from the jaws of defeat because we we can take those failures and and learn from them. Absolutely. I think another thing that comes across is, is that you're you're clearly come across as a as a as a bold, confident man. But it's only through those failures that that we build the confidence. It's knowing that it's like the, uh, the Mike Tyson quote, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. And it's where life punches you in the face and you realize, oh, actually, I got back up again. I didn't just fall out. I didn't tap out. I actually got back up again and I got better and I fought back and I won. And that's how we build confidence. But but too many people are scared of of, of getting that punch sometimes.
1: Oh definitely. Yeah. It's um the way I think about it is like you only you only get one shot at life. Like mm. you, this isn't a dress rehearsal,
0: you get one shot, make it count. Exactly. Someone should do a podcast like that, you know. I think that'd be <laughs> a great idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think one hundred percent. And I wanted to ask as well. I think with with this whole risk taker position, because yeah, we we all hear that the entrepreneur, you know, the Richard Branson's of the world, just screw it, let's do it, let's take the risk, and it always sounds so glamorous. And, and now this mm. is this is your show, not mine. But I was I was trapped in that that corporate accounting world for for over ten years, and I wanted to take the risk, but I was too scared. And I have I'll, I'll always be honest on this podcast. I was too scared. I felt like I had too much to lose i was catastrophizing things what would you say to to anyone who's there taking on a new it might not be quitting their job or starting a business maybe it's taking on a new role at work maybe it is starting a relationship starting a hobby stepping foot in a gym whatever it is that that risk is but that person is scared of doing it what would you say to them
1: oh that's a good question man um Yeah, I think saying that um, I do, which uh, I'm quite successful in, is having a really, really clear vision of who I'm going to be in 12 months, Mm. and I think that's really important to understand who do you want to be in 12 months in every aspect of your life, and then every decision just leads towards being that person. So um, if you want to be in the same job, doing the same thing, the same people, the same results, keep doing the same thing. Mm. If you want to change, it's not going to be easy, you're going to have failures along the way, but... Man, these failures just make you stronger. Like they, they don't break you. You know, you just become stronger. So I'd say that if, if you're happy in a situation and you don't want to change things, you're content, keep doing what you're doing. But if not, just just you, you're not gonna get a second round at life. You're not like if you're 28, you're not gonna get to be 28 again. If you're 35, you're not gonna get to be 35 again. You hmm. this is your opportunity. So you just have to do it. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself that 10 years goes by and you're in the same position. And you'll always be wondering what if.
0: One of those, and, and I, I love it when the conversations go in this direction. I mean, one of my uh, one of my favourite books, uh, it's more cheerful than it sounds, but have you read um, Top 5 Regrets of the Dying by, um, no, by Bronnie Ware? It's, it's a really interesting book, Top 5 Regrets of the Dying by Bronnie Ware. It's a quite depressing subject. She was a, a nurse end of life terminal care nurse so she was literally nursing people who, uh, who sadly knew that they were about to, to die but she asked them all what their regrets were and um and that was such a powerful position to be in and the number one regret that these people were, were dying uh reported was that they they regretted not living a life true to themselves and, right, and right. that's something that's always so powerful i think we all we all see people in the industry we see people in our wider lives and we know that the, everyone's got things that they want to do everyone's got the, the the person that they want to be i always say it's never too late to become the person who you were always meant to be
1: that's right yeah who'd you say that that's it's an awesome quote man
0: yeah and, and i think it's true right? people people hold themselves back And i think and, and that's why your story is so powerful because it shows that it's not necessarily easy but it's 100 percent possible
1: yeah and i love it man like i mean i'm those those early years weren't nice for sure. Like mm. up to like twenty fifteen, not nice. But don't make the mistakes I did. Like don't get into lots and lots of debt. Don't do all the dumb shit I did. Mm. Like if you avoid that and you get good advice, you won't end up in that situation. I'd I'd like to think that um I did that stuff so people can look at it and go don't do that. You know. Mm. um So you don't have to go through awful awful periods in your life to go do what you want. Um, no. I just happened to do it because I didn't know any better, but. <laughs> if you, if you go and seek the right information and you're a little bit more cautious than I was, um, especially if you want to start an accounting practice, man, like mm. just follow the rule book, listen to the podcast, you know, like it's, it's pretty straightforward. I got, I got into an industry that didn't exist. You know, I mm. I went into a consulting industry that didn't exist. i in cloud apps. They were so buggy in 2012, man, 2011. Like that was so buggy. So I was dealing with like mm. bugs, not knowing how to run a business, all these things. Like, yeah, it was it was tough. And then, you know, the next iteration of the business, we've even got to the software yet. But the next iteration was um, I set up Link Academy, uh, which mm. is where we started to see some success for the first time. And that's where we decided, look, we can't scale people. Oh, actually, just quickly wind back. We also, we also franchise Link Solutions. So mm. 2014, I brought on franchises all throughout the country. So yeah, funny story, actually. <laughs> I thought, look, I can't scale through people. So what I'll do is because Ruben came on and he started uh, consulting, making his own money. I thought, this is working well. He makes 75% of the revenue. I make 25%. Oh, why don't we get lots of people? Mm. And then went into the Ice House program and all this sort of stuff. Everyone loved it. Everyone just loved to jump on my bandwagon and pump me up like I was the entrepreneur. <laughs> and then I'll uh, run when it all falls over. But yeah, we brought on nine franchises, turned up the ZeroCon with this big stand. We thought we were awesome. And then it turns out that I didn't have everything properly documented and all these processes uh, nailed down. Mm. I suppose this is similar to, you know, advisory for accounting practices. If you don't have good processes uh, like the Gap provides you with, yep. things are going to go really bad. And as a director, you'll end up trying to tidy up all the mistakes that are being made. So mm. I basically had nine franchises, didn't train them properly. They all started a job. They all left and I had like all these projects that were falling apart. <laughs> so that's that was when it was like, that was probably... Maybe number four or five of the failures along the way. Mm. And then then we set up Link Academy. Um, so I sold my car. I'd like a, a, a car that I loved, a Mazda MPS. Nice. I was a hoon from back in the day, yeah. now. I love my turbos, eh? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I sold my car, I uh, got 12 grand for it, and I spent 10 and a half thousand on a domain name, mm-hmm. linkacademy.com. Brilliant. <laughs> all in, man. <laughs> so then we uh, we started filming ourselves. So that's where I learned to talk to the camera. Mm. And then I started making training content on workflow max, unleash, vend all these apps. And then we found what we can do is we can implement Workflow Max or Unleashed or any of these apps. We charge five grand for the implementation, mm. but they watch our videos and we give them three meetings. Next thing I know, I'm making five grand in three hours. Nice, you know. And then and then we started like really rolling there. And we started like all the YouTube contents, I like bring all these ad, uh, all these leads in. Mm. So between like 2016 to 2018, we we're doing pretty well. Like we we're making a lot of money because of how well we leveraged our time. Yeah. We were, bring this back to the gap um and, and how they've, they've got the asset there to be used to generate leveraged income mm. we created our own assets to create leveraged income and that is what gave us the money to invest in building our first piece of software so i think it's a really important piece of the story there is creating Definitely. leveraged income i suppose if there was a turnaround that would be it mm. that would be the turnaround when we learned to trade a profitable business
0: i think it's always these little moments aren't they i kind of think a bit like um if life was a computer game, it's like when you beat an end-of-level boss and you can level up to the next one. It's when you realise, we I mean, a big one for me was around leverage. And if I can leverage myself and my time, then you level up. I think with money as well, once you realise I could earn $5,000 in a day, in the past that felt impossible. But then once you do oh, it, you sure. think, oh, okay. Now I can do it, and then it becomes the norm. How can I do it again? And it's every time. It's like you open new doors, then you realise the art of the possible at a different level, at a different level. Yeah,
1: man, you're a really good way to um, sort of highlight that. Yeah, for sure.
0: And let's let's look at today then. So you've, you've mentioned the, you know, the the software side of things. We know uh, you, you talked about what you're doing with link reporting, and link capacity, and and the book and the benchmark report and. Firstly, my question is, how do you manage it all? And, and secondly, around how are you taking this forward at the moment? Our
1: first app we built offshore. Uh, we got a, so all the consul- all the revenue we're making from our um, our, our video leveraged, you know, our leverage consulting essentially, we pumped into um, development. Mm. Uh, so we had a team in India that were great. They got the product to market really quickly, and uh, we managed to. It took a bit of time to grow. We um, we sort of hit break even around about 2021. It's about two years ago now, which was pretty cool. Mm. And it was actually 2019. I started writing the code for uh, link capacity. So the thing that makes link reporting different is um, we have a whip algorithm. So I spent, um, this is actually one of the hardest points of the, the journey as well. Mm. When we took link reporting to market, everyone thought it was rubbish. And it was because essentially a built in-house BI dashboard for XPM. But what we what people needed was whip reporting because that's from like the, like mm. APS and all that. So I need, this is my opening WIP. Time, cost, invoice, right up, right off closing whip. That's essentially the, the, the formula for, for work in progress to yeah. look at the movements within a period. So basically, we had um, a, a request from um, Dono from PKF in Dunedin, and he said, Hey, I need a whip report. So I went out and I said, Yeah, I can do that for you. And I spent eight months trying to solve this, this whip formula. How do I take my opening whip for a period and calculate my closing whip? And it took me eight months to crack the algorithm. Mm. And it's like, 60, 70, 80 layer, like pieces of logic deep <laughs> to solve it. Like the invoiced in period in mm. uh, the WIP performance report, 11 layers deep of logic in Excel, in that, in that that's crazy. URL bar. And that's built off. Probably like uh, eighty different pieces of tidy up logic, so it's extremely mm. complex. And once we got that, took it to market, we had a we had a piece of software that no one else was, no one else could do a whip report out of XPM. Yeah. Still, we are the only company that can do a, a good, an actual whip report out of XPM. People have whip balances, but like an opening and closing whip. Mm. So that's that's what we do different in in link reporting. Link capacity. I started writing the code in uh, 2019, and just because of um, the challenges we had in link reporting. We only just really started going full time and developing um, link capacity about a year ago. So we've rebuilt a, built a, a whole new user system. We're running on a whole new tech stack. Um, it's, and it's it's such a cool app, man. Like you can like it's got bulk scheduling of tasks, mm. and then we have capacity reports that are dynamic. So based on timesheets, if someone goes over or under on a job, um, that adjusts capacity. People go and leave. Like it's it's really really cool. So I'm so so excited to take this to uh, the industry. Uh, no one's ever seen anything like it when it comes to capacity planning. Like it's just so much further ahead than anything that's ever been seen in capacity planning.
0: And it's so powerful because I always think from uh, from, from a sales perspective, it's about what problem can you solve? And and the whole resourcing and capacity problem is such a huge one at the moment facing, facing so many different accounting firms because we, we all know everything around the resourcing shortage and talent shortage and everyone's too busy and everything else. But to be able to, to solve that problem is and again with with data with technology with with the software as well it's it's a really powerful tool for anyone to have yeah just imagine like you just like you have like 12 like it's just a bar chart 12 months and you
1: can see every month if I've got uh, red, I'm over capacity. If I've got green, I've got av- available capacity. Drill into a month and you can see all your team members and how much capacity they've got available. Drill in again and that's their work list and you can easily reassign things. Mm. And uh, also, um, if, if you have a whole lot of stuff that's overbooked, boom, auto reschedule, pushes everything out with a soft due date. Amazing. You know, it's just fast. It's so easy to use and it gives people information they've never seen before. So, so excited to get it to market. We're hoping um, we're about you know, four to six weeks away from um, getting into the hands of some accountants to start trialing Brilliant. but it is a really game-changing piece of software that the industry's never
0: seen that's going to be amazing i can't wait to uh to see that and uh, well once it's uh it's launched we'll have to get you and ruben back on the show and uh, and find out how it's going because i think that's going to be a, a pure a pure game changer
1: yeah definitely yeah ruben's a guy worth talking to man he's uh yeah he's a he's an interesting lad
0: yeah and uh i know i say there's uh we want to be able to tell his story as well so uh so that's yeah, gonna be yeah. a powerful one and how how does this impact your life, Will? Because you're you're married. That's right. You got a, got a child. Yeah, got two. Yeah,
1: yeah. Got a got a two year old girl and all, almost one year old boy. So yeah, a couple of kids. Plus my I've got a border collie who's right there looking at me right now. He's uh, he's three. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's pretty. And we, we've got a
0: lifestyle block here as well. Plenty going on outside of work as well. Definitely. I know, so we talked about the the running and, and the power of that as well. But how do you manage it all? How do you ever feel overwhelmed? Do you do? You keep proper boundaries like how how does will's life work really with all these different things to manage
1: not really no it's pretty pretty easy uh to be honest um i just i love what i do i wake up every day do what i love yeah manage my own schedule it's pretty easy man like it's many many years it was hard but uh definitely the last few years now that um since the kids came along i think having the kids really changed my perspective because um, my whole life, it was all about me and it was all about me getting ahead, you know, achieving these things. But I think since, since having the kids, it's really changed my perspective where it's not about me anymore. It's about mm. my kids and it's about how do I help other people? And I've, yeah, I've really changed the whole perspective. I think they've really changed me. So uh, yeah, I'm just really just trying to make the most of every day now. Cause I feel like I have, uh, you know, there's there's these things I want to achieve for sure. And we, mm. we want to do some really cool stuff uh, in in the software space. Uh, we've got a lot, as I say, some, some cool stuff coming, but it really is about just trying to just make the most of every day because I'm aware that uh, the ev- every every day is just flicking by. My kids are getting older, I'm getting older. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone's, you know, I've got my dog. I know I'm going to lose him one day. It's just man, I just I just hold on to every day because they're so precious. Because we're not going to get infinite days. So yeah, I just I'm just so grateful every day that I wake up and get to do what I do.
0: Definitely, I think that that's such an important message and from a positive perspective as well because yeah, it's that uh, that memento morai, uh outlook that you know we we all have a limited number of days but it's what we do with them that counts and it is about living life with no regrets um because one day yeah unfortunately it will run out but i think if we can maximize the most of it some people say that um many people die years before they're put into the ground but when we start to realize that that we can actually live this this life of power this life of opportunity this existence where we can help people solve problems or we can make it count for other people then um then that's what we can really do some good in the world definitely man and it's, it's look it's not to say that i don't get stressed um and that's where running is
1: such a powerful tool for me um you know when mm. when i'm when i'm really stressed this is this is actually a really interesting insight i think is when i'm really stressed i find it's generally because there's an idea that hasn't surfaced yet in my mind mm. and what i do is i go for a run and I think about that problem or think about what's stressing me and I really meditate on it as I run. And generally an idea comes to me which solves that problem or gives me a new perspective. And I I say this quite often, but if you're stressed or there's a problem, you've got two options. You either change your perspective or you change the situation. Mm. That's all you can do. So do I need to change the situation? Is there something I need to do? Or do I need to look at this problem through a different lens and see that it's actually not a problem? So those are your options. And I find that uh, when I get stressed um, and it's probably once a week or once every two weeks, I'll have a really, really stressful patch, something that I'm dealing with. Um, And then yeah, I'll just go for a nice long run and just really meditate on the problem. And is it a perspective shift or is it a situational change that I need to make? And then I come back from my run and I'm back to my old self. My wife sees the uh, the change in my eyes and my voice. And, um, yeah, I just I just adjust accordingly. And then, yeah, I'm, I'm back in again. So, but, yeah, I think that's it's a really important insight, I think, is, yeah, when you're stressed, it's generally because there's, there's an idea that has not yet surfaced to the mind, mm. and you need to somehow pull that out. For me, it's running. For you, it might be um, music. It might be walking. It might be training, lifting, whatever it is. But, yeah, stress is generally an idea that has not surfaced.
0: I love that. I, uh, I'm sure I mentioned this, uh, this phrase on the podcast before, but it's usually when I say, when we feel like we're facing a problem, it's usually a decision that we're just refusing to make. So you yeah, don't have, totally, yeah. you don't have a, uh, a diet problem. You're just refusing to make a decision about what food to put in your body. You don't have a sales problem. You're just refusing to make more offers to your customers. You don't have a employee problem. You're just refusing to make a decision to have a tough conversation. But um, yeah, I think as you say that that way of of, of approaching stress is uh, is a really powerful perspective.
1: You need to get the body moving, man. We're designed to move. Um, yeah. And like you know, at times you have like an injured knee. Well, great, do something upper body. If you have got an injured shoulder, great, run. You, you can always find something to do. And I feel like if if we're not moving, if we're not using our body, the stress um, resides in your stomach. Mm. You know, and you need to, you need to get rid of it. Otherwise, uh, it's, uh, it affects your mind. You know. So yeah, health healthy body, healthy mind.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. I have to to ask as well. Well, you, I mean, you mentioned the 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 coding that you put into into the software and the apps, and mm. I think that's. I remember you talking about this in in the past, and it, it's such a, a huge, unique talent. There may be people listening to this podcast saying, "There's something I want to do." There's either a you know, software I want to create, or a business I want to build, or a risk that I want to take. But I don't have the skills to do it. And and I'm personally a huge believer that, that that shouldn't hold us back just because we don't know how to do something. There's always a way. But what would you say to someone who's like, I want to do this thing. I don't know how to code or I don't know how to do this.
1: Might sound a bit strange, but I'd say back yourself into a corner. Take something on that you know you can't do and then mm. you have to do it because you're committed to it. And that's where like um, that's how I wrote the algorithms for reporting and for capacity and they're both extremely complex algorithms that have taken months to to work and i know they work because they reconcile mm. so you know if the algorithm works as <laughs> it reconciles so um the reason i persevered is because i didn't have an option i if, if i didn't solve the whip algorithm i would have lost my house mm. because i was so highly leveraged to build the software and it wasn't working and it was like it got down right down to the wire you know it was it was, it was really scary um, how much I, – there, I, there was no money, man. I can't even explain to you how much there was no money. <laughs> and if I didn't crack the algorithm like that month, I would have been in so much trouble. But mm. I cracked it. We got to market. A whole lot of annuals came in. We managed to stay afloat. Mm. But, yeah, the only reason I solved it is because I backed myself into a corner where I had to deliver. And I think if you're scared of doing something because you don't have the skills or whatever it is, just take the this, take this step – and just just start the journey, you know. Mm. I don't think you should go get in a whole lot of debt. That's a bad idea. I always think debt it should be avoided because yeah. that's a, that's not a nice hole to be in. But if it's a skills shortage, just start, commit to someone to do something and be like, oh shit, I gotta do this mm. now. And then next thing you know, the ideas will come to you because you're gonna get stressed, you're gonna have to go solve those problems. So just start back yourself into a corner and then you'll wake up one day and then you'll you would have achieved what you want to achieve.
0: I love that. I think as we say it's don't give yourself a plan B or burn the boats. And I think yeah. there, as you say, it's maybe don't burn the boats with debt, but there certainly, there has to be an element where where you can't just say, ah, well, you know, if I don't do it, it's fine, I'll just go. But there has to be that, that element of, you know you could call it pressure, you could call it fear, you could call it- so Accountability. Accountability, exactly. I yeah. love it. So if, if you say to
1: someone, hey, I'm gonna do this for you, mm. you gotta do it, you know? Yeah. If it's, I don't know, if it's almost to start an accounting practice, Um, But they're too scared to do it. Just maybe you could start by taking on some people's work and be like, I have Mm. to do it now. (laughs) You know, if you want to build an app, just be like, well, commit to something, commit to some form of deadline. And if you don't achieve it, well, you're going to put yourself in a stressful situation where you're going to evolve and then Mm. you're organically going to acquire those skills to uh, be able to do it again.
0: Definitely. Confidence is what appears when we start keeping the promises we make to ourselves is uh, is one thing that I learned. And they say it's only by Absolutely. taking action, by having that accountability that, that we grow our confidence, our skill set and and our results. Mm, yeah, totally. Well I've got to ask a couple of questions before we, we wrap everything up. The future of the accounting industry, you're obviously on, on on the cutting edge of it with the new software coming out. What what do you see as the future for the industry? Ah
1: oh, man, I was excited for this question. Oh. Um yeah, I mean I'm obviously working in, in tech and you know, there's the whole uh, conversation around AI. Mm. These are just my opinions, and like there will people people that disagree with me, but I just don't see AI being a big threat to accounting for at least twenty years. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to forecast, but in the foreseeable mm. future, anyway. And the reason is is because AI is really good at analysing the information it has. Yeah. An accountant's job is to ask what is missing.
0: Mm.
1: So until we are running on an entirely blockchain based currency until the new zealand the australian the u.s government all switches to blockchain and everything is all on a blockchain ledger there's going to be information missing from the conversation and the accountant's job is to find that information and use that missing information to uh, create a complete picture
0: definitely and
1: then um after that like there's going to be automations and things and speeding things up and the part that i want to be involved in is making your job easier making Mm. everything from your like I'll be careful what I say here, so don't give anything <laughs> away. But um, every, everything from like you know, as an accountant doing your job, I want to make that easier. Yeah, but yeah, I just don't think that um, AI is a big threat to the accounting industry because AI doesn't have the information it doesn't have. Mm. What I do see um, for the accounting industry is I think it's going to become a very um, attractive career path because of the ability to work remotely. Because Definitely. the uh, it's high value. Uh, mm. like you're you, you're providing a high value service, so you you can be paid well. You can have flexible living, and it's actually fun work once you get into it. You know, mm. um, yeah. You know, it's it, from people that don't know accounting; it sounds boring. But man, when you when you learn to love it, you can you can love anything. You know, if you do it enough, you get good at something, you start loving it. Right? Especially money, e- easy to love money. That's for sure. It's easy to love money. <laughs> <laughs> I think that accounting is going to become more remote. You're going to see more remote teams, more remote clients. Uh, I don't think AI is going to be a big threat. I'm hoping that Link can um, really help you do your job more effectively. We're thinking beyond capacity, mm. but I can't go into too much detail at this stage, but we've got some really cool stuff coming up. Yeah, that's that's where I see it. I think it's just a, a great industry to be in, whether you are an employee or you own the business. Um, either way, um, it's just a great career or industry to be in.
0: Definitely. That's super powerful. And um, thank you for your insights with that, Will. And I know with everything that you're doing with Link, the uh, the future is absolutely bright for the accounting industry. Now we're wrapping up the, uh, the conversation now, but as you may be aware, there is the one final secret question when, uh, when the previous guest gets to send through the question for the current guest, which is you. So your, it's oh, quite a nice, uh, simple one this week. So the que- secret question for you, Will, is nice and easy. What is your biggest regret? Oh man, um,
1: that's a good question. Biggest regret.
0: My biggest regret was probably uh, about
1: eight years ago, uh, I was at the BMX track, I was showing off to uh, my my now brother-in-law, uh, so there's a there's a really, there's a big jump at uh, the BMX track in Karori, and uh, back in the day when I was racing, I would have hit it no problem, but I, I came off um, on that jump, and when I landed, um, I put my left hand down, and I popped my whole shoulder forward, Ooh. and I've never quite recovered from that injury, so mm. I wish I didn't do that jump, <laughs> but, um, from a business perspective, life, family, everything else, uh, not, not a single regret, but, um, yeah, I'm just a little bit gut in my shoulder and get sore from time to time because of that jump. So mm. if I had to pick one, that would be it.
0: Well, I think if that's the biggest regret you've ever had in your life, then, um, then that means you're doing a lot of things right. Um, well, I've absolutely loved this conversation. As I say, it'd be great to get yourself and Ruben back for a part two when, um, when the next software launches. Um, But for now, if anyone's been listening to this and they want to get in touch with you, they want to find out more about Link, how do they find you? Yeah, so you can email me, uh, will at linkhq.com
1: or you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I don't spend much time on LinkedIn, but if you send me a message, I do get around to them every now and then. Uh, yeah, uh, if you go to linkhq.com, that's how you find us. Uh, for All our apps, our book, our, our benchmarking, everything we do, linkhq.com is the home for that. So, um, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. If you do uh, want better reporting from your zero practice manager or you want to get into some really innovative capacity planning and um, see what's happening in your practice, uh, yeah, come and drop us a line.
0: Awesome. I'm sure I will put all these links in the, in the show notes as well. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. As I say, I love this conversation. It's been great having you on the show. I wish you all the best for the future. You're a super inspirational guy. Being the risk taker and always backing yourself is uh, is such a powerful message. So thank you so much for being part of Make It Count.
1: Now, thanks, Freddie, for uh, doing this podcast. I think what you're doing is uh, really uh, it's an incredible resource for the accounting industry. And as it grows, uh, I can see the audience building really, really quickly. So you, you know, you're an incredible host and uh, all the guests <laughs> you've had on have been uh, excellent and yeah, man, I just um, yeah. I hope this uh, builds the momentum like um, I imagine it will. So, yeah, thank you very much oh, for having absolutely. me on. I really appreciate it. Perfect.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope today's episode informed, educated, motivated and inspired you to make it count for your clients and your business. Make sure you check out the show notes of this episode for the all important links. Please hit subscribe, share it with the world, and don't forget to give us a five-star review. We love getting feedback on this show and I'd love to hear which part resonated with you the most. Remember, you have got the skills, talent, expertise, and experience to make a huge difference in the lives and businesses of your clients. The days of the bean counter are over. It's time to make it count.